Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and open our minds as we listen to you this morning. Amen. So, as I thought through the readings for today, I had another pop lyric come into my head. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm always doing this. No, I'm not sorry at all, really. But it goes something like this. Somewhere in the distance, hidden from a view, suspended in the atmosphere, waiting to come through. Sometimes it's so far away, sometimes it's very near, a sound carried by the wind, just loud enough to hear. I feel its power within me, bells ringing in my head. So often I have heard its cry, but forgotten what was said. It's a mystery, oh, it's a mystery. I'm still searching for a clue. It's a mystery to me. Anybody want to guess who that's by? I think I'm getting a bit of feedback. Can they turn me down a bit? <laughs> okay. Toya Wilcox. Yes, I'm a child of the 80s and proud of it. But she sings about a mystery, or as she puts it, a big question mark in history and asks, is it a mystery to you? And I love it because sometimes music can give us an insight into the unfathomable. Music can touch us where words, knowledge and our understanding pale into insignificance. We are lifted to a place beyond our mere intellectual thoughts. And I wonder, what were the thoughts that were going through the minds of the disciples as they sat there locked up in their room? I'm sure they were bewildered, frightened, and now with their large following reduced to just a handful, were alone and fearful they had shut their doors to the threatening world outside, too scared to venture out and face the cacophony of music from the people's hostile shouting. This was their reaction to Jesus dying, despite being told by Mary and John that they had seen the Lord. They just hadn't had the idea or the realisation of Jesus' resurrection sink in with any degree of conviction. However, suddenly, Jesus appears amongst them, just appeared, and he didn't use the door because it was locked. And neither did he climb through a window, as I guess those were locked too, and they were upstairs. Locked doors are no barrier to Jesus, as he just appears. 
It's a mystery. We can imagine the disciples standing there, mouths agape, gasps of unbelief arise to silence the music of groans and cries. And what does Jesus do? He simply says, Shalom, peace be with you. His first act is to meet the needs of his disciples, his friends. He seeks to comfort and calm them. Not with the simplistic, sympathetic comforting of, there, there, it's okay. But with a blessing of deep well-being. A call to learn to live in the promise that God is indeed active and real, bringing all things to God's own self and mending the world. But he goes further than that. He also reassures the disciples that it's truly himself they see. Not just a ghost or a phantom, but here in a transformed body through showing his wounded hand and hands and sides. In fact, Jesus actively invites Thomas to, come on then, touch my wounds, put your finger in there, put your hand in there. Because this is the only way that Thomas says he will believe. He needs concrete evidence, seen with his own two eyes, felt with his own hands. We can all be like Thomas sometimes, desiring to believe, but not wanting to believe what we hear, but rather to know for ourselves, to see firsthand the truth. How full of doubting Thomases is our society, who depend upon their reasoning and their intellectual thoughts before determining what is true. In our current climate, where truth can no longer be trusted and designed to deceive hearers, Jesus shows God's truth with his scars. Jesus then tells Thomas he believes because he has seen, but then blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is like Jesus looking out from the pages of the Bible, turning to each one of us individually, speaking to us directly. We are blessed, for we have not seen, and yet we believe. So now the disciples are reassured and believe all that Jesus said was going to happen has happened. But he has another gift to give. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Just as God breathed life into Adam, Jesus breathes the new life of the Spirit into his disciples. The new life empowers them to stop being afraid, to stop doubting, and begin again to trust in God. 
they needed to experience and learn this new life before the full outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, which then enabled them the power to go out for ministry. Just like the disciples, we too need to give ourselves, ourselves time to learn what living in the Spirit of God truly means. The gift of the Spirit is the intrusion of God's future plan upon each one of us. We live in hope and the future rather than being bound by the limits of the present. For like the disciples, Jesus meets us at our point of need. For we too can lock ourselves away with invisible walls, as usually the deep nature of our need is the last thing we want anyone to know about. Yet despite all our self-protecting schemes, God knows our needs before we do. The Holy Work, the Holy Spirit mysteriously works through and in us, enabling us to ask difficult questions about the nature of our needs. So what walls prevent us from experiencing a full life in the Spirit? Is it that we fear the fast-changing pace of the world outside and fear our church is changing because it is our last place of stability? Or can we learn to recognise the ways we are avoiding God, even in the way we live our faithful lives? What changes do we fear that prevent this place from truly being life-giving? Jesus has already come inside our walls. He has passed the locked doors. So now is the time to let go of our self-protecting ideas and strategies because when Jesus meets us at our point of need, he sees us as God would have us be. We can trust the wounded one standing before us. We can trust God's agendas, his purpose. We can trust he, we will receive the peace bestowed by the Spirit, just like the disciples. A peace that results in the surprising confession that Thomas said, that Jesus is our Lord and God. With this peace comes healing and wholeness, because just as God mends the whole of creation in Christ, Christ mends us too, making the way for our future with him. However, there are times when we feel spiritually dry and we cannot sense the spirit working within us. Then it is time again to turn to God and ask for his spirit. Many of you may know that Holy Communion is particularly important to me personally, as it is a time when I can ask God to fill me afresh, as the mystery of the Spirit given to us continues to nourish us in every sacrament. 
I find this best summed up in the prayer used after communion from the Book of Common Prayer, which reads, Almighty and ever-living God, we most heartily thank thee that thou hast vouchsafed to feed us who have duly received these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. This mystery of the spiritual food is there to give us what we need to fill us afresh with the Spirit. The mystery of how we are freed from our fears, our unhealthy desires, is not by knowledge or understanding, but by flesh, crucified and resurrected flesh of Christ. As Thomas and the disciples saw the wounds of Jesus remain, even though he is glorified, the wounds are transformed into signs of forgiveness, sources of healing, places of compassion and faith confession. So the gospel prevents us from hiding our own wounds, partly because what is hidden may not get healed, and what is not healed cannot be a blessing to others. God continually mends and renews us through the risen and ascended one. For this, as it says in Peter, we are to rejoice, to revel in the glorious joy of the resurrection that no words can describe and live in the transforming spirit of God who invites us to step away from our safe, comfortable lives and out into the unknown. Amen.